I had an opportunity to sit down with illustrator, overall like colorist, cover artist, Chris Anka. And man, it's so interesting because his story is really unique. He's always loved comic books ever since he was a kid and decided to go into animation, not comic books. But the reason why he decided not to go into comic books, I felt, was the most interesting part. He loved them so much that it was such a big deal to him that he felt nervous doing comic books versus doing animation. And he spent some time in animation, which I think is really, really important to state because the thing that I truly enjoy about comics is when you can kind of lose yourself in the details of the comic and get so pulled into the environment. Chris Anka's work creates this all-encompassing, comprehensive environment around the characters that's almost a character in and of itself and then allows the reader to become engrossed into where the character is, what the character is doing, what the mood of the character is. And I think we joked about it at one point before the, the podcast is how many ways can you show a teenager crying? And he does such a really good job in really allowing the character to be the character. Not forcing the character into some emotion that's not meant for the character, but allowing from their body position to what part of the room they're in or what lighting it is or whether or not the room is decorated or not decorated and how it's decorated to also really speak of what that panel, what that moment is trying to convey to the reader. And I think that just makes it so unique and vibrant and and engrossing for the reader in that way. I'm Angelique Rocher, and this is Marvel's Voices. This is Chris Anka's story. It was always when people were like, like wouldn't you want, you want to be a comics artist? I'm like, I didn't. Right. And so I, so I steered Nick clear of that. Nick wouldn't leave me alone. And I <laughs> Look, just finally said yes. Nick Lowe is a very persuasive human being. He also has the biggest heart ever. It's the joke. Like, as soon as Nick's like, hey, buddy. I'm like, whatever it is. Yeah, it's just fine. 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 It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Nick is also the same way. So like, I love, I love Monica Rambeau. She's one of my favorites. But I, he came on in San Diego and I wanted to talk about Auntie Monica. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know there's a theme song. Oh my God, of course, Nick. And I was like, please sing this for me. And he sings it. And I go, can we please sing this together on live stream? <laughs> and he's like, oh, of course. And I was like, okay, I get who you are as a person oh, yeah, now. You are, you are all in all the time. And no, I, I love yeah. it. As we're working on Runaways, he's just like, yeah, you know, I used to major in theater. I'm like, ah, yeah. All right, there it is. That's the one. Yeah, I can see it. But you have a really cool background, and I'm glad I got an opportunity to kind of talk with you on the panel we did earlier on FlameCon. Yeah, that was super fun. And one of the things that stuck out to me, and it makes perfect sense in reading The Runaways um, now, is that you made the statement about the fact that you knew a Gert. Like, you mm-hmm. you knew a Nico. You knew an Alex. Like, you, that's what you grew up, mm-hmm. being growing up in L.A., yeah. growing up queer and being in L.A., yeah. uh, which is a great place to grow up queer. Yeah, like, it took me a long time to realize how much of a taboo it was. Because it's like, that's always what I was just used to in L.A. Just It was so a nonchalant thing. I remember, you know, playing Little League Baseball and two dads. I'm like, yeah, all right. 
Cool. So that yeah, I mean, it helped with the runaways because this is like, as you say, it's like I knew them. Like I, I'm still friends with the the girl I think of when I think of Carolina. Like I still friends with her. Um, so just getting in these heads of these kids was real easy, and kind of like being able to represent them was real easy for me. Well, I think the interesting part about it is I, I always tell folks is I love the Runaways. Like immediately when I found out about them, I was like, so if I had had the Runaways in high school, I would have I've had a different sense of identity. Mm-hmm. If I had seen these images mm-hmm. in a comic book and like been where I was as a drama club nerd mm-hmm. um, and being like the one with the platform shoes and the pigtails and the rhinestone sunglasses it would have been a different conversation. And I think it's it's really cool that you're able to bring that perspective into it. Yeah. Because I think one of the unique things about your work is that there's so much emotion in the character work in the panels. Mm-hmm. And it's so eye-grabbing in just watching them function in their environment. Yeah. So do you feel like growing up in LA, having these group sets of friends, like it's easier for you to do the reference work and make it more of a vivid... Yeah, because because I don't need to do the reference work. You know, the challenge of doing this book is that there was such a specific archetype for 2004. Like, that specific kind of goth, that specific kind of hippie, that specific kind of anti-conformist, that when we're going to the 2018 version of them, or 2017, I didn't need to figure out, like, I knew what those are now. I saw it around me. I saw what those turned into. I saw what kind of the crunchy hippie, you know, if they're about nature and and being organic, but then like organic also became about taking care of your body. Then also became about then taking care of your appearance. So those kind of hippies also became fitness people. And I kind of saw that sort of transition happen. And I sort of saw the the Lita goth kind of faded and it kind of became the witch culture. And that kind of took off. And it was just funny. Like I remember when the book was announced, people were like, oh man, they turned Chase into a, such a uh, hipster. I was like, did you not read Runaways? Because like that boy's wearing a vest with like a vintage shirt that's what like he was already a hipster. We just didn't have the word for that in two thousand four. We just didn't know that was that was just people who who thrift all the time, and those guys just kind of wear loose shirts. They don't really think about it too much. They're and they're wearing short shorts again. Like they're bringing back that kind of vintage fashion, but in a different way. Um, and so like Chase was real easy. That was a real easy one. Um, Gert was the hard one, and that's because Gert was gone for so long. That anti-conformist style of 2004 all became conformist. And that we kind of implemented that into the, that was a big part of the story because Rainbow wanted to change her look just to, I think, I think for Rainbow was, why does the fat girl have to be one thing? You know, why is it always like, she, the fat girl only has one love interest. The fat girl only has one style. So like, we like, let's change her up, let's change her up as much as we change up the other girls. Let's make sure she's just as pretty as the other girls in, in Gert's own way. Um, and she definitely has more than one. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was that was kind of part of it. Um, and so we're like, you know, we're approaching her. It's like that became part of the story of like what happens to someone who prided themselves on I don't want to look like everyone else. I want to be a girl who wears boys' clothes. I want to wear things that don't. Style. I'm going to alter stuff. And then it's like, well, everyone's doing that now. I'm like, what does that do to that person who has been gone for two slash? 10 years depending on what we're looking at it um so it's like you know a lot of these things that were part of what i grew up with kind of became part of the story it's funny because you know as when i was being brought that book i was like no 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 i can't run away no that's such a big deal like i can't and i read the script and all that and as i signed on 
it then all clicked that like everything I have done was made to be on the runaways where I grew up, how I grew up, uh, how I draw, what I'm strong at drawing, what I'm interested in drawing. All of those are in the runaways. I don't think there's a single beat that I've, that I, that isn't played to my strengths on that book. And I had to be on the book to figure that out. Cause it was just, it was just such a foreign idea to me that like, that I could be firing on all cylinders. Mm. And I love it because you started as a comic book fan. Yes. Like, like you are the type of person that you may not remember what happened last week, but like you, I remember ultimates number one releasing in January, 2001. <laughs> and oh, I yeah. love it because you, you grew up and you've drawn X-Men. Yeah. That was, that was, I mean, I was doing fan art since I was nine. Wow. Okay, so I love fan art. Like I was, I was obsessed with fan art when I was was a kid. When the interwebs were very, very slow, I would even do this like group circle of friends who were all obsessed with Sailor Moon. We were all obsessed sure. with everything you can give us, and we would just start doing our own comics and arts. And at school, they were much better than I was. In fact, some of them still do it. What? Was this a hobby? Was this something that you just kind of did? Like you didn't want to draw comics at first, no. but you were doing fan art. So, yeah. well, I mean, I think I think that's like a they're different strengths. But like I always loved Marvel. I loved Marvel characters. I grew up on the Ultimates. Um, I grew up on the, all, all the animated series. So like I, that was just what I drew. What I just drew was Captain America and the X Men. All, I was just doing it for myself. It was just something that I, I liked doing and I liked playing in that world and I liked thinking about it. But the idea of translating that into a profession was no. Because no. I, I liked being a fan. I'd rather enjoy the work than be part of it. Um, and I mean, at the time, I don't think it was like super out there quite yet what it meant to be a professional comic artist. No one still really talked about how you got in there. People just were in there. Because I still remember, you know, like Pencil Jack with like LaShawn Thomas and I think Carrie Randolph was on there and Scotty Young. And like these guys, the comic artists that I loved. Um, but the, the they all wanted to be in comics. And I didn't have that fire. So it was like it was a, it was a different kind of distance. And I was wanting to be in animation. So that was kind of where I was kind of gearing towards. But because I was a fan of this, this just was just a fun hobby. This is just a fun subject matter for me. And it wasn't until, you know, midway through college, late in college that someone at Marvel was just like, okay, you can tell stories. And clearly for the last 10 years worth of internet stuff, you can draw our characters, just do those two together. And I was just like, what? No, no. And like, it was Nicola who was my editor. Now just took a lot of him just kind of like poking me. I finally said yes, because um, it was it was like a weird you know it's one of those things of it's kind of like don't meet your heroes, but it was sort of a subject matter for me. I was just like Captain America was something I enjoy. That's not something I work on, because to me even you know even t- to this day I still think I'm just doing fan art and somehow I'm getting paid and then something I don't know gets printed or something I don't know. And then people write you lots of fan letters and they're like oh my god Carolina's so amazing. I am. I'm sorry. I am obsessed with what you have done. I was just like, oh, it's so pretty. Just, just kids getting bigger thighs every issue. <laughs> so pretty. Oh, I love the fact that you draw real people. I don't think about it that much. Huh. Um, I mean, I mean, I took a ton of figure drawing back in high school, and it was very kind of. Because you went to, you actually went to an arts high school. I did. I went to uh, Loxa, Los Angeles Community High School for the Arts. I think it's still around. There's a lot of people. Like, I think Josh Groban went there. Um, Corbin Blue went there of, of high school. I, I I was the same class as him. 
He was a. Uh, My a, niece was obsessed man. with that. I still man. remember. I still remember him going to social studies class in our freshman year in a fishnet shirt. I mean, does his hair like flow as much as I think his hair yeah. flows as it walks? I mean, down he, the hallway? He, he. I only knew him for a year because he did leave after freshman year. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he basically was always that pretty. Uh, so I mean, it was a performance our hearts high school. So like, kind of like a lot of people who wanted to be in arts in LA all kind of went to the school because it was the only one. Um, so did you did you decide as as a kid you're like mom I want to go to the performing arts high school? It was never really a decision. It was more of just like that was what I was good at, and it was kind of like I could go to a generic school. I could or like lean into what like I clearly enjoyed. And it, like my dad's a painter, so it was, it was never like a like an out of the blue thing. I was going like yeah like let's 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 do something that at least like it's a skill that I enjoy. So let's let's kind of nurture that. Um, and in there, it was kind of like all of, like what I wanted to do with it. That was that was what high school was for to figure that out, and that was going to be animation. Um, but I took a lot of figure drawing. And it was very analytical figure drawing. It was very like, how does the body work? Mm. So just you know, we drilled in where all the muscles go. What what do they all do? What do they connect with? All that. So it was very biological. So when I'm just drawing abs, it was just sort of like drawing it, and then like the appeal really didn't come in until later until I saw that it was sort of resonating that there's sort of like this kind of like anti-sexy stigma that you're like when people are like complaining about like, like oh like th- those boobs are too much or like that was and everyone's like okay well then we just can't do it it's like no, it's not that you can't do it it's just like do it better or kind of realize that you're only doing it one way it's not that sports illustrated swimsuit issues are bad it's just that it's only ever one thing it's only ever one thing where is the magic mics and kind of as that kind of took off, it's like it was funny. I was on the floor. I was talking uh, talking to uh, Jeff DeCall, um, and we were talking about that because you know every time one of his Iron Fist covers comes out, all of my gay friends are like, "Thank you, Jeff, for remembering that guys have bulges." And I'm talking. He's like, "Yeah, it's like they're wearing spandex. Like they're like these guys are athletic dudes. Probably, they're probably wearing a cup. Like if this is how the human body is, that's how the human body is." Mm. And you know, appeal is appeal. So if like if I'm going to treat one thing one way, why should I shy away from the other gender? Um, sexy is different to everybody. Yeah. Well, let's take it back. Like you went to high school. You did this. Your dad's a painter. You had kind of this this free ability to go and create. And so then you went to college for animation. Yeah. For animation. And you do actually did work in animation for a while. I did. Yeah. I was a Technically, it's a prop designer, prop designer, storyboarder. Um, I was working on the Ninja Turtle show, but I was, I was I was doing basically things that like appeared any sort of two D elements that appeared physically on screen, so like posters in the background. Like there was like a Frazetta esque poster in in one of the rooms. I painted that, so it was like just kind of things that actually like, needed to appear on screen. I was doing. Now I understand why when I look in everybody's room, there's so much amazing detail. Well, I mean, it's part of it because it's also. All of that is character. Mm. And all character tells story. And the more you can kind of, the more work you can put into that, um, the more is told about a character. You know, Molly's room is going to be different than Gert's room, which is going to be different than Chase's room, which is going to be different than Nico's room. Because they're all, they're all so exactly. very different. Yeah. And even if the room is generic, it being generic says something. And we don't always think about it, you know. Some people are like, I know, I just, I put, I throw whatever clothes on. But it's like, no, because you bought that clothes. 
or you were given that closing, you decided to keep it, which says something. It may not be a conscious thought on your part, but that says something about you. It's how you present yourself to the world. And how you present yourself tells a story. Um, how you wear something tells a story. And so like the more specific you can get, the more legwork is being done to tell that story without ever needing to say a word. Um, so like the way we decorate Molly's room is, you know, is very specific. And like the way we kind of transition from how Molly's room looked in, in, in her grandmother's house to how Molly's room looks in the hostel and how like what she can bring, what she can't bring, how she's trying to bring some light semblance back, but it still kind of seems like this, you know, temp home kind of a place. Um, these all say things about who they are, where they are, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. So what did 15-year-old Chris's room look like? Oh, my God. It was drawing on the walls. It was basically covered in, like, little knickknacks everywhere. Like, my entire walls were covered in, like, little cutouts, little, you know, album art, posters. It was just sort of littered um, in sort of an organized way, but it was still sort of covered. Um, like, my like furniture-wise, I'm very basic, but then I, I add a lot into little things. Largely because I don't like clutter, but I like not having blank walls. So I always like having the walls full of stuff, but nothing's protruding out because I like having that space. Um, But I don't like having, because everywhere I look, I want to kind of like be able to take something in. So lots of detail and clean lines. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's, it's weird for me to like whenever like a room has to be messy, I'm like, what? So like Chase's room of like, oh, there's just junk everywhere. I'm like, what? Why are we doing? He doesn't this? organize it. What do you mean? So, like, it's, so it's like it's always like very difficult for me. I'm like, no, no, put it at an angle. Ah, uh, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> doesn't make his bed. Ah, uh, all right. Let's see how this goes. Oh, it's, it does. It, it you physically look like you're yeah. slight. You're like, mm. and I mean, I mean and those things. You know, I have to like rely on rainbow. I'm like, like, what do you think this room looks like? Because someone was like, I don't know all the answers to everything. And that kind of comes down to, you know, experiences and taking things in and asking other people and asking for help. Like, I'll, you know, if I don't quite understand how to dress somebody or like, what does this dress sort of feel like? Because, you know, with, with Gert, I'll talk to some of my bigger friends and it's like, what, what, what looks flattering? What do you feel looks flattering? What does, what drapes well? And kind of like, what's a good cut? Because I just, some things that I just don't know that I need to kind of figure out. So that way, like, you know, the, you know, the best compliment is that. I make clothes that that accentuate Gert, and that's great because it's like like these are foreign things to me that I'm trying to figure out to make it feel like Gert decided for herself. And I love that because it it, it there's so much insight that goes into being that detailed, but also having the ability to put hubris aside and be like I don't know everything but I want to create something that is good that people relate to and and I don't know if that that stems from the fact that you are a comic book fan mm-hmm. and knows the feeling mm-hmm. knows the feeling of being able to look at a comic book and go this is what made it good and that's because I saw myself in it or if it's just your personality I mean I, well I think a part of it is like I think I I, remember, I, I viscerally remember back in 2011 towards the end of college and I think I started doing cover work for Marvel at that point and I was just kind of getting back into more of the discourse of comics around disc- you know, around comics and kind of all because I'd always really stayed out of it I didn't really have like friends who were into comics growing up it was always just kind of my own thing so having other people talk about it was very foreign to me but I started reading it I started reading just you know thought pieces and, and articles about it and I've 
I owe a lot to Kelly Thompson because at that time she had a she had pan, like columns and podcasts talking just about body diversity in costumes and just sort of you know sexist designs and all this and I was just sort of taking it all in because it was something that was I never thought about but clearly it was bothering people and why was it bothering and kind of it's not just so much that like oh you know that character wearing a bikini is bad it's like but like why that character at this time wearing that thing and I just did research um but I just spent a lot of time thinking about it and, and listening to people and and then practicing and kind of getting more and more specific about it. So there's no nothing wrong with A, B, or C. It's just Y, A, Y, B, or Y, C. And it's the Ys that matter more. And it all comes down to specific, uh, you know, being specific about it. Of, I remember when I was doing, you know, the X-Force designs, and everyone's like, oh, you know, Psylocke is just all covered up because it's about being prudish. Uh, I'm, just, I'm like, no, this is, a, this is a stealth group coming like you know like a black ops psylocke doesn't want to be bright and loud and have all the like flesh hanging out she wants to be covered up and like tactical and like there was a point to it but it was it was i think at the time that amount of thought was sort of foreign to these things because everyone just wanted things to look cool and cool is great but not mutually exclusive exactly you can have cool and also tell a story with that immediately um I'm surprised it never really came up, but you know, so I, I watch a lot of dance videos. I find them fascinating because, as someone who never danced, there's so much body craft in there and so much control. And it is so hard to do those moves with that amount of speed, with that amount of precision all the time and, and confidently. And I love it because I'm seeing these girls dressing themselves and like they're going to do a heels routine so they're going to get sexy but it's they get to pick their own outfit and a lot of those outfits are the sweatpants and sweat the shorts but like you know, but it's, and... it's like a sports bra that's a mesh and it's like but they pick that i know that's exactly. what made... i'm obsessed with the heels videos incredible the outfits are incredible but also the dances are incredible uh, when you see someone like it, and, and i think it's like their whole it's their whole and the reason why i say they're the dances are incredible there's a whole body language yeah that you are that i think you're referencing where yeah. they it's like you're in six inch heels you were owning every kick every turn every half beat every, i am also obsessed yeah. With these videos, in a way that's just like it's, you have to honor it. Yeah, and that, and that was I, I feel like that was the big disconnect where mm. my favorite face character at Disneyland is the evil queen, because everyone's you know everyone's really good in their roles and they're all fun and they're pleasant. But you got to own the evil being queen evil. and being able to like insult a child, but still in a fun Disney way of just kind of like oh I guess you're a princess. And I was like oh my god, like the, this the sheer amount of how she feels in that and there's just so much method to it that you almost need to do that with your characters in a comic because the more you can get specific with the character the more the hand of the creator is gone and it doesn't feel like someone's hand forcing something into this it feels like these characters are actually deciding for themselves and they're telling the story off the pages it feels like this is happening naturally Wow. So, do you have a favorite panel? Is there a favorite cover? I'm uh, gonna like, stop like, a, like a favorite cover that I like, that I've done, yes. or okay. Um, I mean, it, I mean, it's a good story. So, uh, it was the cover for Runaways number six. It was the Victor head cover, because I've been trying to get a head cover for six years. 
I've been wanting to draw that for so long. I remember on X Force, I was like, "What well, if we just do like a like this like really cool Betsy cover?" And it's just her face, and like we show the mileage of the story on her face. And I'm just like, eh. I, I always just kept getting rejected. And I know everyone knows I'm friends with Jen Bartel, and Jen always gets face covers. And I'm always just like, "Come on!" I've been trying for so long. So finally, with Victor, I was able to just do like just a simple head and kind of tell a story around that. And oh, Victor's head! It was uh, it was the best. Victor's head's so much fun. Victor's head is a deer. It's very charming. I, the the Roomba scene when he's like rolling down with the glasses is one of my favorite beats that Rainbow ever put in there. I, it was so much fun. I love the fact that Victor, uh, who clearly before said incident that left him as just a head, mm-hmm. was one of the smartest <laughs> people, and now he's just hoking it up. Yeah, well, I mean it's great because even when he was originally introduced, I'm you know, rereading the old Runaways. He was the fanboy. He was the nerd on the team. Like everyone else was kind of these all kind of anti-conformists in their own different way. But Victor came in as the superhero fanboy. Like he knew all the superheroes. He knew all the stats. He was the nerd. Like Alex was too. But Alex was in a sort of like kind of an analytical way where Victor was just like, oh my God, you know Captain America? Like, what? like holy shit. And I, I'm also, like, we're talking about favorite moments. Like my favorite moment in all of the first arc was when he wakes up to Molly. And like he just can't hold it, and he's like he's been trying to play dead this whole time because he doesn't want to like have to deal with being alive anymore, and he's just having this hard time. But Molly knows he's awake. Victor never let Molly down. And he's like, all right, like come on. I like I like I was the moment I like before I signed on. They sent me the whole first arc, and that was the moment that I was like, okay, I have to do this because that was the most baller moment and like the most heartfelt. I'm just like Victor cannot let Molly down. And I love that tone throughout the entire story. Yeah. Because it's like, Chase is a jock. Yeah. Chase doesn't really have a superpower. Yeah. Chase, nobody really likes Chase. No one likes Chase, but Chase loves being there for his friends. And it's like, okay, we've had that, everyone's had that friend. I mean, the irony of it is that, like, I think Chase is, like, Rainbow's favorite. Chase and Gert are her favorites. I will tell you, I was Although she'll say that she doesn't have any favorites. All lies. Everyone on on her team has a favorite. I'm the only one that submits it. And then that was always the great thing. Like when we were approaching the story, the story is about these teens who are growing up who hate adults. So what does that like? What does that mean to someone who's growing into into one? And how do they deal with that? And one of the things that I think would clicked a lot for it was that Chase was the rock. Chase the one who Chase is the one who knows exactly who he is. Um, like throughout our entire story, Chase is never figuring himself out. Mm. Chase always knows who he is, and he loves who he is. And he loves that he's there for people, that he can be there for people. Uh, I mean, he's the dad. He's trying his best to take care of everyone. He may not do it well. He may not know how to do it. Um, but what dad knows everything? Exactly. exactly. And, and, and I feel like it's a big thing about the book is that, is that Rainbow is very honest with all the characters. It, doesn't, it never sounds like the character is forcing themselves to be something. It always sounds like they're working through it. And, you know, I think we always forget, like, you know, a lot of them are 18. And 18 is messy. So if there's one if there's one runaway that you relate to the most, who would it be? Relate, relate to would probably be Victor. I mean, it's like, you know, the areas in L.A. I grew up with, I was around a lot of cholos and a lot of gangbangers. And just sort of being the nerd around all that and learning how to you know survive in those environments, but never quite changing to that environment. Mm. Um, so I always kind of adapt. I always like identified with Victor the most of so just sort of like, the quiet nerd who kind of like loved everything, but just sort of like just kind of kept it to himself because he knew how to survive. Um, 
and sort of you know being kind of the more brown boy of the of the of the team. Um, it was de- it was definitely probably definitely Victor for me. So you still live in L.A. Yep. Never moving to New York. No God, no. <laughs> so Joe, Marvel's L.A. versus Marvel's New York. Why Marvel L.A.? Well, nothing happens in Marvel's L.A., so it's like really safe because <laughs> Marvel's New York blows up like once a week. You have Galactus showing up. Like that's not. Come on. <laughs> I don't know why anyone's still there. Okay, this is this is valid. <laughs> you have like twelve superheroes in a block, and everyone's blowing up. So maybe our your villains safe. in L.A. are just we you have know, the wrecking crew, and they're just sneakier. trying their best. That's all yeah. it is. They're just sneakier. They got more room. Maybe things are blowing up. They're just not blowing yeah, up just, yeah, in no, the it's, city it's, of it's LA. a lot of space. We're like, oh, it's happening over there. Uh, all right, that's fine. I'll, I'll take an hour to get over here. Uh, it's, the, it's across the four or five. It's we're fine. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always very specific because like, there's always like this. I feel like LA and New York are totally wired in the exact opposite ways. Hmm. Uh, so for me, being born from LA rather, rather than a transplant, um, my brain is just wired for it. So there's things about New York where it's so condensed that I don't understand. But you've but you've drawn comics that are based in New York. I don't like it. The one I, the the second comic I ever had to do for Marvel, I had to draw Times Square. And I was like, never again. Okay, you got to explain to me why. There's so much stuff going on. It's just so cluttered. So I'm like, I don't know, like which time. Like, where where the like, how many screens? Uh, how many people? Oh my god! Like, doesn't anyone go home? No, no oh one god. goes home. Oh my we, god. Don't, we don't have homes here. We just have offices. Like, like you know, in, in LA, we have like Hollywood and Highland, and no one goes there except for tourists. And we all avoid that one block. Like, our life depends on avoiding that one block because we just won't go there. And it's nowhere near Times Square. So, yeah. what we've established is that Chris Anka does not like clutter. Yeah. It's like, like, like I, can't, I can't even do San Francisco. Like, that's too much. Like, everyone's in my face. Everyone's in my face. And I was just like, ah, just. Give me like ten feet, like because like, that's the thing. With, like, I think LA like has like this weird kind of. Um, it's such a transplant city. I remember watching a documentary about LA, and we're talking it's like LA is somewhere you go, not somewhere you're from. Uh, so there's a, there's a very big disconnect between people who have to come there and people who are from there because people from there like don't do, like. There's a lot of like these touristy LA things that I've never done because it's just not something you know. Like, I never had In and Out until high school because it's like I I found like a corner burger place, and so we all kind of just ignore each other. And not like it's it's not very rude because it's like everyone just has their own thing to do, you know. Everyone's just looking at the ground, just like just kind of move on, man. Like no one cares. Like no one cares that you're here. Whereas I feel like you know people who who come to LA, it's such a big deal to them, yeah, because it's LA. So everyone's like, oh, you, you gotta like, you know, the whole like schmoozing thing. Everyone's in each other's face and everyone's pitching what they're doing. It's like no, no one cares. But man. you know, the funny thing is, you've just basically answered the age-old question. How do these kids run away in a city and no one... No one ca- cares. And no-, no one cares. It, okay. <laughs> no one cares, man. <laughs> All right, so we got a quick fire round. All right, let's do this it. This is my favorite part. So what are you listening to these days? Uh, the easy answer, uh, I recently got into BTS. The K-pop band. I was, t- I was taken to... I was basically... I became a fan by, via Crucible. Um my friend had an extra ticket to the BTS uh, LA concert, and she was like, "Hey, pop! I mean, I, I, you know, love Red Velvet. I love uh, Blackpink, um, but I never, really, I really never gave boy bands a lot of shots. Um, but I was like, you know, like, yeah, like I like the genre enough. Uh, I, I know ish. I, I haven't really listened to them, and it was, it was, it was crazy because like you know they're playing music videos 
before they even started and everyone's cheering and this entire staple center is just losing their mind to like music videos they've already seen before and it's just sort of like kind of fun to sort of see that amount of joy and like the age diversity i was seeing people in their 50s and people you know 13 and they're doing their show and it's and it's great i'm like oh god this is fun you know i don't really know which songs are what but this is this is really good and they start all doing the kind of solo songs all these things and but then one of them comes up uh rm and he just raps by himself there's no nothing behind him there's no backup dancers it's just this one kid and he owns the stadium and this entire stable it just it just he fills it with just his just like hype and his charisma and just him singing and rapping and i was like all right i see it i'm in so that's probably the big one for me right now so who is your favorite superhero it's kind of a toss kind of a mix and i like him for the same ones uh if we're gonna go by like include kind of the movies it's gonna be steve rogers uh i am groot i am steve rogers um it was like it was the best like it's the best like that whole like that just that scene alone like i can talk about that scene of just in this giant war this guy's introducing himself and seems like, I'm not going to make fun of how you talk. I'm not going to, uh, like, why are you, like, why are we doing this now? He doesn't, he doesn't, he's like, oh, then he, like, he responds back to Groot in a sincere way to talk but with that's Groot. The, that's and the like, heritage that's, of Captain America. That's Steve. Like, that's, that's, that's that so much about Steve. Steve Rogers. Yeah, so it's, I just love the, like, I'm Steve Rogers. Like, just it's such a quick little moment of just like, yeah, you know what, I'm just... I'm being polite. I'm going to say nice today. So for the movies, it's Steve. And then in the comics, it's uh, Bucky Cap, specifically. Because I, I always loved it. It was a very particular time period where it was a, about a guy trying to deal with his trauma by being bigger than himself. And specifically about trying to be his idol Steve, his best friend. It was like, Steve would not make this about himself. And like I went through all of this horrible stuff. And I've got this partner, Black Widow, who also knows this kind of horror stuff. And we agree that the best way for me to do it is for me to make this not about me. To find like that like I can make the world a better place by not putting the same sort of evil I was doing and trying to change and be a kind of good that my buddy wanted me to be. Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of yeah. It's always the caps. What is your superpower? Oh, I would probably say endurance. Uh, like how many hours a day? That's the other thing I just want to know. Like how many hours a day are you working? Uh, averaging probably 18. <laughs> um, so yes, your superpower clearly is endurance. It's probably endurance. Just bearing things and just kind of working through things. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? I've always had this weird daydream where if I see like a car is like cutting a lane or if I see a car has like taken two spots, I've always wanted enough superpower to like shove the car into place. That's always like, it's a weird, it's a very specific like LA traffic daydream. You just want to be giant man for like two seconds. Yeah. Just like just move and just get it out of the way. I've always wanted like that kind of like super strength, but like specifically just for like you parked badly move. Oh my God. This is so much fun. This is is, is great. Yeah. Just Just chatting. Just chill. Yeah, that's great. You got two more days, man. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to come down and see you tomorrow. Uh, So I am, I actually, tomorrow's my day to walk around like uh, like a noob. 
I'm just gonna like put my put my little badge in once I come in and like put your hoodie on. Chris Anka is probably one of the most chilled, detailed, intentional, deliberate, laid back, cool, no filter having people I've ever met. You can check out Chris's work right now on all the comic book stands around the country, as well as on Comixology uh, and digital print. He's worked on some really cool things, including the cover for the Miles Morales Spider-Man annual, which is pretty baller. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time.